Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hope. This is where you get to hear how to feel happy, balanced, and worthwhile. How to make that lonely ache vanish and feel empowered, confident, and secure. I'm Lauren Abrams, and I get to help you feel that magic again since going through my own dark night of the soul by chatting with incredible leaders, healers, and change agents who give you their message of hope after overcoming challenges of their own. And today we're talking to author and teacher, Nina. Do you sometimes feel like you have old family stuff holding you back, but you're not even sure how? Do you get the sense that there's this unconscious working sometimes against you? You're about to find out how to get rid of those negative patterns that you might not even be aware of, as well as a lot of other really cool ways to tap into your inner beauty. I just love Nina, and you are going to love listening to her tools that you can implement right now. Today's podcast is brought to you by Magic Mind. Magic Mind's the world's first productivity drink, and I've been drinking it for about a month and a half now, every morning, and it comes in these really easy little bottles that you don't have to mix anything, you don't have to run to the store. They send it to you, and I love how easy it is, and I also love that I'm more focused, productive, and more creative. When I first started drinking it, I thought it was a placebo effect because I felt more focused, creative, and productive. And then I thought, I don't care if it's a placebo effect. Then I was on way on vacation and I didn't take it with me or anything. And I noticed the difference. So when I came back and was drinking it again every morning, and it's so easy. I love easy. It's got nootropics and all these, they're totally natural ingredients. You're fine. You don't have to worry about that. I loved it so much. If you've been listening a long time, you know, it's the first time I'm allowing a product to sponsor the show. So it's Magic Mind is sponsoring this podcast and I will have a link in the show notes and in the description and everything else. If you want 50% off to try it, it you just go to magicmind.co, not.com, magicmind.co slash Hope Lauren for 50% off if you want to try it. So that's magicmind.co backslash Hope Lauren. And there'll be a link in the show notes and everything else. Okay. So welcome to 52 Weeks of Hope, Nina. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So I know you're raised in Paris, exposed to all this philosophy, art, and beauty at early age. And, and you have just a really interesting story. And, you know, you realize your calling was to be of service to the beauty within all of us. But I am fascinated because you do, you have so many different modalities that you do. And I have not heard of all of them. I have to say, I thought I got exposed to family constellations therapy by, I guess, one of your mentors who referred me to you. Yes. But also you have the Oracle cards, which I never really totally gotten. And when we were talking beforehand, you said, Oh, I have one about hope. I go, no, I want to wait till we're recording to talk about it. So I actually want to know about Oracle cards first. Because I, I mean, a lot of people really believe in them and, and even more lay people do Oracle cards. So somebody as studied as you and with the kind of work you do, it, which is a lot, I kind of want, you can first introduce yourself a, a little bit so that. Thank you. I loved your intro. I'm really happy to be here. I think you summarized it really well. And I'm happy to talk about Oracle cards as I was hearing you ask the question, actually, the answer just dropped in about, I used to be in the art world. So I worked at Sotheby's, I majored in art history, and I loved art, but my frustration was that I didn't feel there was 
a strong enough uh, exchange between the viewer of the art and the artwork. It was almost like, okay, well, this is them, this is their creative process. And they're, in my case, you know, at Sotheby's, they were famous, accomplished artists, even if some of them never saw that, right? Van Gogh, like a lot of them didn't maybe experience it in their lifetimes, but the world was willing to pay and recognize their art. But the effect on the viewer, of course, people sat and admired, but I was craving like a more interactive exchange, a mm -hmm. process. And so to me, that is what, from that angle, that's what oracle cards are, where there is uh, an image that invites you in, but it's unique to each person, right? So I could look at this hope card and focus on the colors, or I could focus on the little children who are holding balloons or on another aspect of the card. And that could speak to me because of my past experience I could find it soothing. To you, it might mean something completely different. What I love about Oracle cards, it's not, it's not a teacher, it's not a guru from the outside telling you with authority, like, this is what this means for you. You know, this is the truth. An Oracle is interactive and it's living, right? It's, it's a living tool where you can ask a, a question you can say, for example, what do I need today to love myself more? Or what would bring me hope today? And you just go within, close your eyes, shuffle the cards, trust your intuition to guide you to one card. Mm -hmm. And then you sit with it and it becomes a form of meditation, right? So you, I love journeying inside the card. That's one way of working with Oracle cards. You could imagine yourself as one of the people in the image or an animal or even the color, like traveling through that color, closing your eyes and, and noticing the sensations. You can make it a mindfulness meditation, right? What does my body feel as I sit with this piece, this illustration, this work of art? And what is my own meaning, right? So there's usually there's always a guidebook that has an invitation and, and a message, but I feel it's really important when we work with decks, whether it's tarot or oracle, to first. What, is, what does it mean to you? Don't look at the guidebook right away, huh? right? Sit with it. Oh, that's such a good explanation. Thank I you. love it. And that card is beautiful. So did you make these cards or? No. So the artist, this okay. was my, one of my favorite parts of creating this deck was to select. So this artist, Edie, lives in the Hudson Valley, not far from Woodstock, New York. And we met in France, actually, even though we both live here, we met at a yoga festival, a Kundalini Yoga European Festival mm -hmm. uh, in 2018. And I loved her art and it features a lot of children. So to me, it speaks to the soul of the inner child. Yeah. And so my process for making this deck was actually looking, she has you know, hundreds of works of art and then allowing the art to speak to me in order to allow the message to kind of come through um, based on the art. So it was really a co-creative process between visual and then written words. So how did you take the leap from being at Sotheby's? I mean, you went to Brown, here you are, which I mean, I love that you went to Brown and here you are in the spiritual space because you don't see that a lot. I'll just leave it at that. So how did you make the leap from being at Sotheby's to really being in the spiritual world? So at, while I was at Sotheby's, I discovered yoga. I started practicing yoga. So I, it was my first job out of college. Uh, so I was like 21, 22. I worked there for four and a half years and discovered Jiva Mukti Yoga in New York at the time, 
and it completely changed everything. Right? I like realized I had this this body that could bring me into a different state of being. And then I started exploring diets, went vegetarian for a while, explored meditation, and it opened up this whole world of, I do love this art. I love the people I'm working with, but I do not want to be serving money, you know, and like just moving these paintings around from one wealthy place to another. There was nothing wrong with it, but my my heart, like my soul wasn't feeling this was my purpose in life, right? And I... Mm-hmm just felt this calling to teach yoga. And then as life does, it kind of gives you a kick in the butt through very unexpected ways. So my mother um, got breast cancer that came back for the second time. And so I took a leave of absence from Sotheby's because that gave me the, the momentum to be like, I don't have a choice. Like I want to go spend three months with her because she was dying. Like she was stage four breast cancer. And once I had left, I was like, I'm not going back. You know, I was, I just couldn't like my whole life, you know, she passed and everything just shifted, right? Like I realized life, we all die. Like once you lose your mother, it's like, there is no denying that, you know, I am mortal and I am next in, in the sense of the lineage, right? Like this, now I am the adult and I was young. I was like 26 years old. And so I decided to teach yoga full time in New York, which is <laughs> Not easy financially. Yeah, started teaching Kundalini yoga. And then a, a year and four months later, my father passed unexpectedly. So here I was at 28, just entering my Saturn return with no parents. And that was yoga, honestly, just held me. Like, I don't know what I would have done if I hadn't had that support in 2007. So, two years before my mom passed, I did my Kundalini teacher training. So, I had that whole body of tools of mantras that I was playing, you know, as my mom was, you know, in her last few weeks. And then when my dad went to the hospital unexpectedly, he had a heart, like really unexpected thing, like our take dissection. And then he was in a coma for three weeks. So we were just playing those mantras. And it honestly, like, I, I don't know what I would have done. Like I probably would have crumbled, you know, without it. So life provided me with what I, the basics that I needed to, to carry me forward in a way. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. So here you are, you're doing that. How did you get exposed to family constellations therapy? You you have these circles that I want to know about the Wild Woman Project Circle. That just I started looking. I'm like, okay, where are they in LA? <laughs> I've, been, I've actually been looking. I've been looking for yeah. those anyway. Um, I'm sure you'll find some. It's great. Like they're, they have them everywhere. It's on the new moon. And actually that is, I would say what brought me into using Oracle and tarot for the first time was I I had decks before, like, uh, but I hadn't really used them with groups and starting to teach those um, new moon circles. We always had a theme, a guided meditation. And then I would invite each woman to based on the theme to, to sit with a question that I would offer a suggested question. For example, what am I ready to let go of? How can I deepen into living my dream? And then we would pick a card and journal and then share. So there's like this three-step process, which is really nourishing to do with others. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. I have, I have a group online, but I'd love to do something in person. I think those are, are yeah. rich. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and then your question, I get the second part was constellations. Yeah. How, yeah, yeah. how did you get exposed to fa- Because family constellation therapy is brand new to me. And then I meet some people who are like, oh, yeah, of course. 
And I, other people are like, what? <laughs> yes, it's amazing. You know, I've always been interested in, in theater. Like when I was little, I would write these plays and I would put on little theater shows uh -huh. with my brother. Like I wanted to be an actress. And for me, Family Constellations has is a way of, it's for me, it's like meaningful. Not that theater is very meaningful. I'm not saying that, but it's theater in which you get to step into roles. You're not just observing, just like with the art, actually. It's interactive. So I, in a workshop, will represent somebody's father, somebody's mother, money, the secret of the lineage, right? Each person will get to represent and access their own feeling and their body. And this is what, to me, in my whole journey has been the most healing is the body, the breath, the sensations. And so in Family Constellations, you actually get to be in service of this person that you've never met. And people are crying, like it gets very emotional. And I love that. It's like, I love being in a collective with other humans because I think that to me is how we heal also. You know, that's been the most supportive thing on my journey. So I read Mark Wolin's book, It Didn't Start With You, which I highly recommend. It's an incredible resource. And I did my own process with it to explore what fears I might have been holding. And then I, I met Maureen Silene, who you interviewed. Mm -hmm. And I took a workshop. That was my first ever in-person workshop. And I was just completely blown away. To me, it was like an experience of magic. Like, I can't describe it in another way. Like seeing my father and mother come alive, speak exactly the way that they were speaking in, in life. You know, they had passed with these two strangers who had never met my parents. And it, it's mind blowing. It's completely, you have to experience it. Like I highly yeah. recommend it. And so, and then I trained with Maureen and I trained with uh, a few other teachers, like Jack Blackwell, Mark Wolin. And I started offering this work one-on-one -on -one, uh, to help people heal of what, heal what they've been carrying, you know, and, and free themselves and see their own beauty back to that, you know, back to beauty and art. And Maureen told me, that you only, I go, what if you don't know your answer? She said, oh no, you only have to go back uh, to your grandparents. It's okay. Because yes. I was it's like, okay. what if you don't know them and you don't have to know who they are. So because it lives good. in your body. Yeah. Right. So even someone who is adopted, even someone who's, I've had clients, right? Their parents were, there was so much trauma that they never would share the stories of their own parents. So the client doesn't even know the grandparents' name or they, they barely know anything about them guess what? We can still heal it. We can still, because it lives in us, right? So we can just acknowledge grandmother, you had a difficult fate or that was your life. And I gave you a place in my heart. You belong. I see you. That's often all that's needed. And, you know, it's so simple, but it's the same with our emotions, right? Like, hi, hello, fear. Here you are. I'm going to stay with you. I'm going to breathe with you and I'm going to allow you to be here. And then fear will move on. And that's why hope to me is like, that's the greatest. Oh, definitely. Feel. There's always hope because we can always do that, right? As, as human beings, we can offer ourselves that love. Uh, definitely. You have to feel the feelings. Otherwise it's going to come out. It's going to come out yeah. in your health and something if, if you don't. And you create new neuropathways anyway, if you, if you feel it all the way through, it'll, it'll move through your body somewhere and you could feel it move and then leave if you really feel it. I was taught that a feeling only lasts for 15 minutes. And I've since interviewed people that say, no, they last for only 
like seven minutes and somebody else said like you know it's the stories we attach to them that, that make them stay with us <laughs> yes that's exactly right there's this idea also of primary versus secondary emotions so the primary emotion is what's immediately available so let's say some somebody just bursts into your room like a child or somebody is like oh my god like they open this door and i'll be i'll have a moment of like surprise or fear mm -hmm. That's the primary emotion. I'll be like, oh, I'm safe. It's my child. Okay, it's going to move through me. On the other hand, if that emotion continues, if the fear, the anxiety stays with me all day, I know that there's something that I'm carrying, either from my childhood or I had a, a traumatic experience with a door opening and being unsafe as a child or somebody in my lineage. Let's say they lived in a country where in Russia, for example, in the pogroms, like the Tsar's army entered and killed their father, their siblings, and they were the only ones surviving, hiding somewhere. That is going to live in you, and you might be for days in that propelled to that state of anxiety. So there's this, I find that really helpful to identify, like whenever we have an emotion that is disproportionate to the actual event, we can ask ourselves, huh, is this mine? Or is it carried? Like, is it bigger? Do I need to release this emotion to acknowledge something in my own childhood, in my parents' life, in my grandparents' life, so that uh, I can I cannot stay in that? So like you said, because we are rewiring the brain, right? When we allow the emotion mm -hmm. to move through, but if we're not able to let it move through, there's that's a big clue that there's work to do. Yeah. Okay. I'm trying to think. There's a saying about it. If it's yeah, if it's out of proportion, I forgetting the saying, but yes, I think um, it's, it's, didn't you, if it's hysterical, it's hysterical. Yeah, that's you said it. it I yeah, remember yeah, listening yeah. to one of yeah, your yeah, podcasts. Yeah, and you were, you if were it's saying hysterical. that. Yep, if it's hysterical, I really like that. I think that illustrates it very yeah. simply, and yep. like it, it sticks you. with you. Yeah, yeah, I love that, and that, and I absolutely believe that. If it's disproportionate, like mm -hmm. even with children, when they have those big meltdowns about the fork being in the wrong place you know, it's not about the fork. It's about what happened at school or what happened last week, right? Yeah. It's, it's bigger. So yeah. I always wondered, how did my daughter become a perfectionist? I'm not a perfectionist. Like, where did this come from? Like, is this an oldest child thing? Like, what is this happening? Right well, here? so the Marine might have said this, but the older child carries more for the lineage. No, she the didn't first say born, that, but okay. that makes sense. Okay. Like I'm a first child and okay. a first daughter. And okay. because think of it, right? Energetically, unconsciously, when the first child is in the womb, they don't know if there will be any other children. So they have to make sure, like, let me take on for mom and dad and grandparents just to make sure that, you know, we, we address it. <laughs> yeah, that's my sister, definitely. <laughs> she <Yeah>. needs this. <laughs> Oh, that's so good. I love learning that. Did you do this? So you did the work on yourself. You're like, I need to pass this on. People need to know this. Because that's how when I get really excited about something, I'm like, everyone has to know this. <laughs> if I didn't know this, no one did. But that's always, that's not necessarily true. But with this, I, I feel like it is. When you meet people, you live in Princeton. I mean, when you meet people and they say, oh, what do you do? What do you tell them? <laughs> That's always a complicated one, right? Right. Because like you saw, I do my, I teach new moon circles, Kundalini yeah. Yoga. I have an online store for conscious fashion called right. Sage Moon. And lately I've been telling myself, like, if I had to choose one thing, 
And so it really is this lineage work. So I, I say I'm a coach and I offer one-on-one healing safe. work to help heal inherited trauma. Uh-huh. And that's usually the word inherited trauma, usually that because family constellations, people think it's yeah. about the stars and astrology. Yeah. yeah. So inherited, inherited trauma. trauma. Well, that would definitely peak. I mean, you're around a bunch of brainiacs. So yes. they're going to they're going to be like, OK, what does that mean? They're not going to just let that go. They're going to be asking you questions. <laughs> True, true. If they're like, yeah, me, and then you can, like, what do you mean? But I guess so that you attract the, your tribe. So yeah, exactly. There are very amazing, you know, open-minded spiritual people, and the brainiacs are amazing too. But there's a very interesting study you might have heard of, where the epigenetic study, which they did with mice, so they would take a generation of mice, diffuse the scent of cherry blossom, and then zap them. Like, like, you know, little, not to kill them, but like electrical shock. Mm -hmm. And they would do this repeatedly so that the mouse would like really associate that. And then they would look at the children and the grandchildren. And guess what? The children and the grandchildren, you wouldn't zap them. You would just diffuse the scent. They would startle. So that's like an easy way. And then they've done studies with you know, children and grandchildren of Holocaust survivors and how that trauma passes on. So there, there is more and more very interesting scientific research about how we are carrying these anxieties, post-traumatic stress in our body. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. Like they're afraid to take a leap to what they really want to do. They feel like life's passing them by. What would you tell them? I would listen to them. I would ask them, what does it feel like? Like, what would you do if you didn't have this block? Like, that's usually how I start my sessions. It's just really listening deeply because sometimes we don't know the stories of our lineage, but in our language, and this is what Mark Wolin teaches, he calls it the core language approach. In the words that we use, we can find the clues to why we are stuck. So if somebody tells me, I feel like I'm being suffocated, or I feel like I'm going to get hit by a truck, like if I succeed, something like that is going to happen to me. And I listen, I write it down. And I have my intuitions, but I don't speak them, right? I want the client to be the one to experience it because I'm not there, you know, right? We're not there to give advice like that never helps anyone. And then we look at, we draw the map. So we draw the genogram. I take notes about the the parents, the grandparents. What were their fates? What happened to them? And then let's say, for example, it turns out the grandmother lost a husband who got hit by a truck. A year later, her five-year-old son gets hit by a truck. And the client had never associated that, had never made the connection between her using that expression and what had happened in her lineage. And so you then spend time acknowledging, recognizing the pain of the ancestor, right? So somebody who might feel suffocated or like, I'm stuck, I can't speak. Like I can't, I want to speak, I want to have a podcast, but I feel like I get frozen. Let's say her grandfather got hung during World War II. We need to recognize these things, right? In order to free ourselves from them. We can't fix it, but we can acknowledge what happened. And so that's my main, you know, the first initial process is to do that, to listen. Oh, that's so interesting. 
<laughs> I love this. Do you have a message of hope you want to give? Yes. So often people will say, oh, it's foolish to hope. And I feel it's the opposite. Like, I feel hope is necessary to be a human being. Like, hope is the wisest thing that we can offer ourselves and that there's a humility in hope. There is a strength as well. And that's the most beautiful thing. So I keep hoping and, and keep being open to allowing hope to flow through you and stay with that feeling when it arises and keep it part of your life. Yeah. And, and I like to remind people that your whole being doesn't have to have hope. You can borrow some of ours or you only need 51% Anyway, just yeah. a little, a shred of hope is all that's needed to keep going. Yes, because at times we're all hopeless, right? Like we oh, are yeah. human. We're all, we've all been there. That's why you're doing this amazing podcast to remind everyone that no matter how we look on the outside, right? We are all yeah. going through moments where it, it feels like there is no hope. But just like with our feelings, if we can stay there, we can have compassion for ourselves. Guess what? The new day comes and the glimmer of hope reemerges. Always, always. And, always. Yeah. And you're never alone. It may feel like it, but you're never alone. Yeah. Oh, That's this right. was so much fun. I loved <laughs> meeting you. I just Thank so you. enjoyed this. Yeah. Is there anything else that I should have asked you that I didn't? We'll have all your links and every way to reach you, of course, in the show notes and on the website and everything else. Just one breath. I just want to leave you with one breath practice. It's super simple. It helps you get out of survival brain. Like when you're in fight, flight, freeze, appease, you can do it. It's all, you don't need to think of anything else. Short inhale, two, three seconds in. And then long, slow exhale. And you just keep doing that. Short breath in, long breath out. And as you're doing that, I have a body. I am here. Wiggle your toes, like through our body. I guess that's my last message is through our body is how we re reconnect to hope and to our own presence and a breath, which are the most beautiful gifts we have. And they're always there for you. Great grounding. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Hey, thank you for that. Thank you. Right. Thank you for being a guest today on 52 Weeks of Hope. Thank you, Lauren. It was a pleasure. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and take with you Nina's messages of breath, listening to your inner self and hope. Such great messages to take into your week ahead. Be sure to tune in next week for another empowering episode all about how to live abundantly, authentically, and to keep joy in your life. It's a great episode that's super upbeat. That's next week. You also learn some great leadership tips of how to be the most confident version of yourself in every setting, no matter how you're feeling inside and how to stay compassionate with yourself and give yourself grace. That's next week. I know you'll love that episode. Be sure to sign up for free Confidence and Clarity Boost sessions. If you're struggling, this might be for you and for those of you who feel like life's passing them by. Your inner critic's going nonstop. You're feeling burnt out and jealous of those who are doing what it is that you wish you were doing. Just go to the website at 52weeksofhope.com and sign up there for free confidence and clarity boost session. Don't forget today's podcast is brought to you by Magic Minds and that Magic Minds world's first productivity drink. And I, like I said earlier, I've been drinking this for over a month and a half now every morning. And it comes in these really easy to drink little bottles 
and you don't have to mix anything. You don't have to run to the store. They just send you 15 or 30 at a time, however you want to order it. And I love how easy it is. Easy is always, it works for me. And it helps you stay focused all day, productive, and more creative. When I first started drinking it, I thought it was just a placebo effect because I felt so much more focused. Anything that keeps me more focused and is easy, I'm, I am all in. It's got nootropics and different types of mushrooms. I know if I start reading you all the ingredients, I will mispronounce them, but it's completely natural. I had a couple of friends of mine who are doctors read through it and everything. You are fine. You don't have to worry about the ingredients, but I know that it works or I would not let them be a sponsor for this podcast. So... Anyway, I just think this stuff is fabulous, Magic Mind, and I've been drinking it every morning for a month and a half now, I swear by it. So you get 50% off, you can just go to magicmind.co backslash Hope Lauren, magicmind.co backslash Hope Lauren for 50% off if you want to try it. So there's a link in the show notes and also on the website. So it's really good. If you're enjoying the podcast, share the love and tell two of your friends. I'm Lauren Abrams. Thanks for listening.